The following audio is from Foundation Life Bible Church. More information about Foundation Life is available at www.foundationlbc.com. Good morning. Good to see all of you. Good morning to you watching online in your living rooms. We're glad to have you with us. And we're excited to gather in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Open up to the book of Colossians, if you would, please. General Electric Power Company is how I've learned it. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's always stuck with me. Well, let's do this. Let's open up in prayer, and then we will trust the Lord's leading here. Father, we have so much to be grateful for as your people. We thank you, Lord, for how you answer the prayers of your people. God, you are so faithful, and not one of us deserves it. But we thank you that we're grounded in you. We thank you that our foundation is in you. And we thank you, Lord, that we can trust, as we looked at last week together, as your church, that we have your mind that it's your spirit that leads and teaches us. And we trust that. So God, as we come together today, Lord, one of our sisters has asked us to pray. And so we do that together right now. We lift up Barb's Aunt Linda. We pray for her healing, God. We pray, God, for the diagnosis, Lord. And we pray and ask that you would grab her heart, Lord. Because as you reminded us on the road to Emmaus, Lord, that you are always going after hearts. You're always working in minds. You're always looking to open ears and eyes. And we thank you that you do that with us. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that you're a God of truth. And right now we trust you as you lead us at just looking at what was going on in the Colossian church and what we can take from that. We ask you to lead us, to help show us the background, to help show us what was happening and what this church was facing. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the book of Colossians. I don't plan to go long, but that is always subject to change. So we will just have to see what happens, okay? But I don't plan to. So the book of Colossians, and we're also going to be in the book of Acts to help you today if you want to kind of put your finger there, and also Philemon. So Acts, Philemon, and Colossians. But this book was written by Paul, and most believe it was written around 61 A.D. And this was toward the end of Paul's life. He was in Rome, and he was on house arrest. And we often think of Paul being in prison, but being on house arrest was a little bit different. Because basically, here's what the government of Rome said. When the time comes for your trial, we want you to be here. And we have a Roman soldier with you, and we expect you to show up. And if you don't show up, we will find you. And if you try to escape, well, the barbarians will get you. So we trust that you'll be there for your trial. And that's what's going to happen. So Paul, during that time, that two years awaiting trial, what did he do? He used the time to be present and to share the gospel. I'm sure 
he shared with the Roman guard that was with him. I'm sure he shared with the people all around him. But it reminds you and I, and I love this about Paul, is that wherever he was at, he was present, wasn't he? He was present. He lived his life unto the Lord. And that's the desire for us. As we walk in the Spirit, that we would be present whether it's leisure, whether it's work, whether we're with our family, no matter what it is. But like Paul, we would be present. So he wrote this while on house arrest awaiting trial. And he sent it through a man named Tychicus. And Colossians will tell us that. We read in Acts 28, verses 30 to 31, this. And you can read all of 28 to read about how Paul was waiting. But here's what we have. Verses 30 to 31 of Acts 28. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. What does Paul say? Everything that I've done, these chains are for the furtherance of the gospel. That was his mindset. Now, it's likely that Paul never visited the church of Colossae. We read in Colossians 2, verse 1, if you want to look in your Bibles, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those that are at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face. And this is not the only book that he wrote to the city of Colossae. Does anybody know what the other book is? Philemon. Yes, you remember Philemon when we were on um, lockdown and we did Philemon from my living room? Well, it was, we did that one, one Sunday together. But he also wrote the letter of Philemon. And what do we know about Philemon? Well, Philemon tells the story of Onesimus, right? And so where did Paul meet Onesimus? He met Onesimus while on house arrest. And what did Paul do with Onesimus? Well, what Paul often did, he led Onesimus to the Lord. And so he says, okay, bud, here's what we have to do, Onesimus. You're a runaway slave. You ran away from Philemon. And you need to go back and you need to make that right. So Paul, about the same time, he wrote Colossians, wrote Philemon, and he sent Tychicus and he told Onesimus, you need to go back and you need to make things right. And he asked something very difficult of Philemon. Something very, very hard of Philemon. Because Philemon would have been completely right if Onesimus would have returned and said, okay, what I did was wrong and I'm sorry. And Philemon could have had him killed. He could have punished him any way he saw he was a runaway slave, but Paul asked him a very hard thing to do, something that only Philemon could have done in the spirit. And here's what he asks. He asks in Philemon chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, so if you consider me your partner, Philemon, Paul writing to Paul, or Paul writing to Philemon, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. And then listen to what he says. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. And it's likely that Paul had led Philemon to Christ 
just as he led someone, someone else to Christ, we'll talk about here in a little bit. But when we compare these two books, you compare Colossians and you compare Philemon, we see that Paul mentions a lot of the same people. Notice in his greetings and notice in his closings, he, he, he mentions a lot of the same people. We have Timothy, we have Epaphras, we have Onesimus, we have Aristarchus, we have John Mark, Luke, Demas, and let me see if I can get this right, Archippus. Archippus, okay? So before we get to the bones of this book, let's talk about what the city of Colossae was like. What was it like? And here's what it was like. Colossae was at one time a thriving, rich, powerful city. It's about 100 miles east of Ephesus, and I meant to do a map, but I forgot, so you'll have to look that up on your own, okay? But it was located in Asia Minor, which would be known today as what? As Turkey, as modern-day Turkey. And it was known for its wool, wool dyeing business. The, the water there would get this chalky substance in it, and they were able to dye wool through that. But, it, but things changed for Colossae by the time Jesus and Paul came on the scene. We were in the Old Testament, a very powerful city. But then it changed. And Heropolis and Laodicea surpassed Colossae. They became kind of the new kid on the block. They became the one that had the money, and they became the one that the people were going to. So I thought about a lot like this. Think about Greenwood becoming Wanamaker. There's no Wanamaker where the ordinary is, right? Just a small little town. So Greenwood becoming Wanamaker, okay? So this city was mostly populated by Gentiles, but there was also a sect of Jewish people. So it was kind of a melting pot of different ideas, different philosophies, different religion, different pagan gods. And so that led to some problems in the Colossian church. And many different ideas came into the Colossian church. Because anytime we read a letter, an epistle, what do we want to do? We want to ask, okay, why was this written? Why was Corinth written? Well, Paul was addressing the, carnality, the, the carnal Christians, right? He was addressing the sin that was going on in the Corinthian church. And here in Colossae, we ask the same question. Why was this written? And I think if we look at it, the honest truth is, is that it was written because of a struggling pastor teacher, elder, shepherd. And his name was Epaphras, if that's how you pronounce it. But that's what I'm going with, Epaphras. Okay? And Epaphras was led to Christ by Paul. Most believe in Ephesians, because remember, Paul probably didn't visit the city of Colossae. So this is a struggling pastor who was kind of at the end of his rope. He was at a he, he, was, he was at a place he didn't know what to do because all these different teachings and heresies were entering the church. Okay? So here's what he does. He says, I've got to go to the guy that poured into me. I've got to go to the guy that discipled me. So what does he do? He leaves and he goes to Rome and he says, Paul, here's the deal, man. I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I'm struggling here. I don't know how to address these difficult things that are going on. There's like a, like a 
a culmination of all these pagan gods and all these philosophies and all these ideas. And I need counsel, Paul. I need you to tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. How many of us have done that before? Gone to somebody we love in the Lord. Yes. Somebody that disciples us. Somebody who wisdom. So what was that heresy? Why was Epaphras at the end of his rope? Well, here's what was going on. Men had entered the church and they began attacking two things. The person of Christ and the finished work of Christ. And church, can I ask you a question? Is it a dangerous ground to be on when the person of Christ and the finished work of Christ is attacked? Yes, absolutely. That is not a good place to be. Okay, so every other religion, every other cult that we can think of attacks the person of Christ or the finished work of Christ. Think about that. Cults get what's wrong about Jesus. Other religions, they can't completely deny Jesus, so they say something that's not true about Jesus. Even in our world system, what happens? Who's heard this before? Yes, I believe Jesus was a good man. I believe he was our example. I believe he's someone to follow like Buddha, right? Have you heard that before? Yes. Well, it's the same thing. So what, is the, what are these cults saying? What are these ideas saying? What is this philosophy? What is this mindset? The thing is this. Jesus is not enough. Don't like people tell you that. Jesus is enough. But they're saying Jesus is not God. He's not the creator. The gospel is not enough. And that is a lie. That is a lie. And that's why this book was written. So let's look at what were these heresies that were coming into the church? What were they? What was going on? Okay, so different philosophies, different religions, pagan gods were being mixed with Christianity. So think of it like, I'll take a little spice of uh, pagan gods here and a little philosophy over here, and then I'll put a little Jesus on there. And it was just all mixed together, right? Is that going to work? No way. It was a mess. So what happened? Christ was not outright denied, but he was minimized. He was pushed down. His glory was trampled. So, so what was the focus? Well, there was focus on angels. There was focus on demons. There was focus on astrology, on mysticism. Listen to what Paul writes here in Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive. How? By philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to who? According to Christ Jesus. And then what else did we have? Well, here, let me take a drink of water first, then I'll tell you. Okay, so Judaizers, they had come inside the church, and they've said, yes, guys, Jesus is good and all. It's good that you believe in the cross. It's good that you believe in the finished work of Jesus. But guys, that's not enough. That's not enough. Because you also need to be circumcised. And you also need to celebrate these days in order to be saved. And these festivals to be saved. And to hold up these ceremonial laws to be saved. And observe the Sabbath to be saved. All these things, right? Dangerous. And then what else? Gnosticism. What did Gnosticism teach? Well, basically, that there was some top secret knowledge 
that only certain people had. This special revelation outside of Scripture, outside of who Christ was. And what does it say? It said that God is good, but all matter is evil. So then this idea came, well, then we need to basically withhold the needs of the body. We need to do whatever we can to punish the body. And Paul addresses that. And he said, and, and you know what was denied the most in Gnosticism? This idea is the humanity of Jesus. Well, Jesus couldn't have been human. He couldn't have been the God-man because if he was, that would mean that Jesus would have been evil. So he was just spirit. So this idea had infiltrated the church. Do you see why Epaphras was at the end of his rope? I mean, his church was full of all these ideas and philosophies and these things going on. And we have to remember, this was a small church. This was a small group of people, probably met in Philemon's house, if we take it back to Philemon. But what, what we have here is denying the humanity of Jesus and claiming to be in the know that I have some special knowledge. And here's where I think we have to be careful. We have to be careful as believers not to say, well, I know more than them or I have a, I've grabbed a hold of this more than them and so on because God's working all our hearts in different ways. But here's what Paul writes in Colossians 2.18. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions. Here it is. Puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Well, where does that start? It starts with pride. It starts with me thinking I'm arrived. What happens? Selfish tendencies, a focus on me, right? So again, what can, what can I do? I can sprinkle a little bit of the world system in with Jesus. I can sprinkle a little bit of the pagan gods in with Jesus, a little bit of idea and philosophy in with Jesus, or a little bit of humanism, a little bit of yeah, I understand that I'm a sinner, but I'm not that bad. No, it's not what the Bible says. The Bible says no one is good. No, not even one. No one does righteousness. No one seeks God. No one goes after him. All feet are quick to shed blood. This is who I am in the flesh. So I got to walk in the spirit, right? So I can sprinkle angels on top of there. I can put demons in a higher place. This was a breeding ground for countless heresies. It was a rough place. And so we get this amazing epistle written by Paul to the Colossian church. So Paul helped his friend, Epaphras. And he wrote this letter. And he touches on, without apology, a reservation, the work, the finished work of Jesus and the person of Jesus. And then he says in the book, and I also want you to pass this on to Herapolis and also to Laodicea. And it was probably um, certainly read to the other churches as, as well. But here's the bottom line, and here's what we have to think about as we get ready to go through the book of Colossians. If someone tells me that Christ is not sufficient, that's a lie. If someone tells me that Christ is not enough, that He is not all in all, that is a lie. If somebody tells me that the person of Christ and who He stands for is not enough, that's a lie. And the work of Christ and what He did for me on the cross, His death, His burial, His resurrection is not enough, that's a lie. 
And we need to call these claims what they are. And Jesus is being defined all around us. So I think it'll be really good to go through this book together because I think there's one theme here, and it's Jesus Christ. That's Colossians. This is all about Jesus, and we can't go wrong with that. So he's going to define who is the person of Christ, and then what was the work of Christ, and then what does that mean to me? What does that mean for my identity? What has that called me to do? How am I to respond to who Jesus is? And he even says this beautiful verse. He says, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will be with him in glory. So consider that. The person of Christ and the finished work of Christ and me trusting in him and trusting in what he's done for me leads, leads to Jesus being my very life. It's Galatians, isn't it? It's what else Paul says here. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Lord living his life in and through me. That's what he desires. So here's what I want to do. I want to close with kind of a focal point in this book. So look at Colossians chapter 1 and look at 15 to 20. Verses 15 to 20. Okay? This is where Paul kind of puts everything together. And he says, I want to remind you, church, here's the truth. Here's what he says. And this is all about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So perhaps the Lord this week would lead you to read through this book as we get ready to start chapter 1 next week. About 20 to 25 minutes, depending on how fast of a reader you are. But I encourage you to take that in. So that's just a little overview, a little introduction, a little background as to the city of Colossae, when it was written, who wrote it, and also why it was written. Important questions to ask as we get into this book. Let's pray, and then we'll dismiss. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your word. God, as we were reminded this morning in our class with the young adults, Lord, that you've called us not only to know the truth, but to walk in the truth. 
And you tell us that if we love you, that we'll obey your commands, Lord. And so we pray that you would do that in us. God, would you help us to be present today? Would you help us to walk in the Spirit today, to enjoy our families today with you, to enjoy a day of rest with you, Lord, and to be present with the people that you have us with? Thank you, Jesus, for reminding us again and again who you are and what you've done for us, and Father. And may that change us. And God, we don't want to forget what we went through these last three weeks, Lord. Reminding us that you put, apart, put aside being God, Lord, because you loved us, because you went to the cross. And reminding us last week, Lord, of the inheritance that we have in you, and how that inheritance, Lord, leads us, drives us, Lord, to walk in the Spirit. We pray that that would happen. We need you. We rely on you. We thank you for answering the prayers of your people. And it's a privilege to gather in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Foundation Life Bible Church, located in Greenwood, Indiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Foundation Life Bible Church, please visit us online at www dot foundation lbc dot com